you to turn in your Bible somewhere. How about Galatians chapter 2? And once you get there, you can go to Luke 4, 18. Because it could just be a case of mistaken identity. Your problem could be just a case of mistaken identity. Maybe you haven't identified yourself properly. We found that in Numbers chapter 12 and 13. And how they thought that they were grasshoppers in their own sight, that they had an inferiority, an inferior way of looking at themselves. They thought that the people of the land were greater than they were. They said they're, they're, they're the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jezebites, and they're greater in stature, and they have fortified cities, and they've got prosperity, and we're just a bunch of slaves that came out of Egypt. And so that's how they saw themselves. And as a result, of course, we read in Numbers chapter 14 where the Lord said, well, you know, until you change your attitude, you'll never change your altitude. And basically, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. And he said, well, no, they said this. They said, we'd rather die here in the wilderness or go back to Egypt than than to press into the things of the Spirit of God. They said that. And then finally, after 40 years of listening to them complain, he said in Numbers chapter 14, as you have spoken in my ear, so shall it be done unto you. So how many of you know words are powerful? How many of you know that, you know, you need to change your disposition if you want to walk in the things of the Spirit of God? You need to begin to see yourself, as Peter 2.9 says, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen, come on, royal and chosen, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Where's Sully today? I didn't see Sully. What's that? You gave the day off? Cool. <laughs> He's on a holiday. For those of you that don't know Sully, it's another story. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. How you get your identity, we could find that probably in Galatians 2.20. But before we go there, did I say go to Luke chapter 4? Because in Luke 4, 18, 19, that's where the Lord preached from Isaiah 61. And he said, and when he got up to teach, he found the place where it was written about him. So in other words, he was going to identify himself. Now, now just remember that, that... he came as a man. He didn't come as the son of God. Matter of fact, he thought it not Robert to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a man and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. In Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, not Christ of heaven. Jesus of Nazareth got anointed with the Holy Ghost. And, the, and whatever he did, it was because of the anointing that was upon his life. He, he operated as a man, not, a, not as the son of God. And so, but he, ident- but he found himself in the word of God. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 3, it says that he increased in wisdom and stature. So if he had to increase in wisdom, how do you, where do you think he got it? <laughs> wisdom is the principal thing with all you're getting, get it and get understanding. The wisdom is in the word of God. So he had to, as a child... 
He didn't just walk around, oh. Matter of fact, the first miracle he did was when he was 30, after he prayed and the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came upon him. Up until then, 30 years, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything, except he confounded the teachers in Jerusalem when he was 12 years old because he sat under a tree somewhere and read the scrolls. And he found them. He increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with men. And so, and, and then my, my Bible tells me in Ephesians 5 verse 1, to be a follower or a mimicker, a mime of Jesus. In other words, what he did is what I'm going to have to do. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He found the place where it was written of him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. To, he has anointed me. Notice he got his, where he got his identity? In him. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim deliverance to the captives. He has said recover and go fight, uh, sight to the blind and so on. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he said this. He said this day... Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And they didn't, they didn't care about stoning him until he identified himself with God, saying he was God's son. And you are what? A royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Revelation 1 5 says you're a priest and a king unto your God. But even John the Baptist, John the Baptist in John chapter 1, they said, Who are you? He said, I'm the, he, he went right back to, to, to um, Isaiah chapter 40 in, in verse 3 and identified himself in Isaiah 40. He said, I'm, he said, no, no, he said, I'm not the one. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. So if John the Baptist had to find himself in the word of God and, and Jesus found himself in the word of God, then where are you going to find your identity? It's the only place where you can find yourself. Come on, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He, he, you know, any man be in Christ, he's what? A new species on the earth. Old things have passed away. You can't keep identifying yourself with who you were. You need to identify yourself with who you are. So where am I going to find myself? Well, I'm going to find myself today in Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20, he said, uh, now this is, no, but this is, this is, this is Paul identifying himself. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, Peter identified Jesus. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And right after that, Jesus identified him. Because when you identify him, he'll identify you. Simon was the Simon Barjona, a reed in the wind. All of a sudden, his name is now, his real name is Peter Petros, a chip off the old block. Rocky, Rocky Barjona instead of Simon Barjona. Come on. But he didn't, but he hit, but once he identified Jesus, he found out who he was. And when he found out who he was, he was bold enough to get up in Acts chapter 2 and preach. After denying the Lord Jesus just 50 days earlier, he didn't apologize or anything. He said, this is who I am now. <laughs> This is what the Word of God says. He, he, he just knew, once you identify yourself in Him, once you identify the fact that God loves you, not your ideal you, not the person you would like to be, no, He loves you. You right there, right now, you're, you're the one He loves. 
Oh, if I could only be better. No, he loves you. Again, Romans 5, 8, and 9. He loved your worst day as a sinner enough to die for you. And now much more that you've been justified by his blood. He shed his blood. And this is what Paul's saying. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in what? In myself? No, by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me, I do not frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness came by how, how good I could do everything, then Christ died for nothing. I, I mean, I'm pretty much perfect. You can ask my wife, but uh, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I've had good days, John. Don't laugh too hard. Come on, John, give me some help. <laughs> Let me see what I have here. I like this translation. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. Now, this, this is the part you need to get. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no, long, my ego is no longer central. What about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? No, what about you, God? Hallelujah. What about you? It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you. Or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see in me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who gave his love for me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back is to the old role is, is peer-pleasing peer religion? It would mean an abandonment of everything that I believe now. I'm personal. I'm free in my relationship with God, and I refuse to go backwards in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So who are you? Who? Who? I really want to know. Who? <laughs> you can tell me. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And many who received him gave him the power to be sons of God. Hallelujah. I'm led by the spirit of God and I'm son of God. And Romans 8 19 says, all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of me. <laughs> Y'all waiting for me. <laughs> Fact. Fact. When you know you're loved, I mean, come on, John, if John knew it better than anybody, he said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. He said it three or four times. Can you imagine getting that attitude in you? Getting that attitude in you. Turn to somebody and say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. You might want to kiss me right now. No, 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 don't do that.
<laughs> well, go ahead, have fun. <laughs> How about, how about if we just um, go to Ephesians chapter, just to go over a couple pages to Ephesians chapter 2 and take a look at ourselves over here. Ephesians 2, who you are in Christ. Verse 4, but God, that just covered all my screw-ups. <laughs> Don't tell me a but is not important. But God tells me, it tells you everything about my past life. And then he says, But God, who is stingy in mercy. Now, when you're thinking rich, don't think you're five bucks. <laughs> think God's riches in glory. But he is rich in mercy. Come on. You'd like to have him rub out some of your problems and your enemies over the past, wouldn't you not? You've never had any of those. David prayed dirty, hairy prayers. He wanted, you know. <laughs> Get him, God. <laughs> God is rich in mercy. And, and I'm so grateful because I needed more than I've given my enemies. <laughs> None of you have ever done that, but I'm thinking. That's why he said, for forbearing and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. I, I liked the forbearing and forgiving one another until he said that last part, as Christ has forgiven you. Then I realized I had some people that I hadn't forgiven like that. So then by faith, I did. You keep doing it until their name comes up and it doesn't even bother you anymore. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, yeah. So, verse 4, he said he's rich in mercy for his, look at this. Just hug yourself when you read this. For his great love. And again, I want to point out, it's not the ideal you that he loves. Someday you're going to be. He loves you today in this room. Not when you get all spiffed. Great love. Come on. You know, but Paul had a revelation of this. So listen to him. Listen to him. His great love wherein he has loved us. Even when we were, now, now he's going to go back. Even when you were dead in sin. Graveyard dead. Living like hell. He has quickened together with, with with Christ. In other words, when Jesus rose from the grave, he took you with him. He put everything in Christ that he wanted to put in you. So that when you came in Christ, everything that he has is yours. That, no, but that's Ephesians 1.3. He blessed you with all the spirits of blessing. Everything that he needed you to have, he put it in Christ. So that when you came in Christ, you'd have everything you need. So, so you're not lacking anything. The only thing you're lacking is revelation. Maybe you're lacking faith. You know, faith requires discipline. Maybe you're lacking some discipline and believe in God, you know. And maybe an attitude, maybe your attitude could keep you from your faith from working too because he said your, your faith attitude is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and temperance. And some people say, well, I'm just believing God, but they're wringing their hands. No, no, when you really believe in God, you get a smile on your face because you believe Him. 
You trust him. How did I get to trust him? How did I get to trust my wife? Living 35 years with her day and night. Night and day. Day and night, work together, drive together, do everything together. How, how well do I know her? How well does she know me? I don't need to be with her to hear her voice. No, but it's true. Like, you know, he's surprised how well I can clean up by myself now. It's true. Yeah, that's right. You do. Like, you know, all of a sudden you're picking that up and putting it over in the dishwasher instead of leaving it in the sink. But I know, but, but, but I know God, but I know God's voice. What did James say? What did Brother James say on that? Listen, I've got a miracle basket in my closet. It's a, it's a, it's a wicker basket. And I throw my dirty laundry in there. Until it's stuffed to the top and then I put the lid on it. And a couple of days later, I go back and it's empty and my drawers are full. <laughs> Matter of fact, if I should sell these at the mall. Miracle baskets. I don't even see it getting done. It just happens. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. His favor with God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for supernatural favor. No, can you imagine what that basket would look like if I lived there by myself for any length of time? Mountain, be thou removed. <laughs> no, you're looking at a guy that did dishes in the shower. <laughs> no, no, this bachelor knew how to live. You put him in the tub. When it gets to be enough, he even squirt some soap on it and turn on the shower. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> I was on drugs. What can I say? <laughs> now, some of you are sitting there thinking, gee, I never thought of that. <laughs> some of you just piled them in the sink and changed the water from time to time. Verse, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ by grace. By grace are you saved, and look at this, and he has raised us up together and seated us in heavenly places in Christ. You, you know, your identity is you're seated. I know your positional truth is your seat, your, your temporal truth, rather, is you're seated here today, but your positional truth is you're already seated with him. In a, th that seat is a place that holds your weight, and it's where your authority lies. So if you're struggling with things, take your seat. You're struggling, you're in the natural. If the devil can get you in the natural, he'll whip you every time. If he can get you over in the flesh, he'll just slap you all over the place. But if you stay over in the spirit, he can't touch you. Can't even touch you. Let's go to, um, let's go to Zechariah chapter 3. Talking about your identity. When you get to Zechariah chapter 3, second last book in the Old Testament, 14 chapters of power. 
But when you get to chapter 3, just put your finger there and go to uh, Romans 8, 33. How about verse 32? How about verse 31? How about verse 30? Come on, this this is good. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, those he called. He called you here today. It wasn't just your idea to come to church this morning to hear this word. He wanted you to hear this today. Those of you that are watching by live stream, he wants you to hear this today. But if you're in a place where you can get into a local church, it's, you know, he loves his body. He died for his church. And so he's not really into Lone Rangers. He said it's the body of Christ and he's the head of the body. So find a body somewhere that you belong. Find the place where you fit and, and do that, okay? Because, it, because it's important. These days are the best of times and the worst of times. These days are, are, are great and terrible. Great if you know God and terrible if you don't. The, 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 you know, there's been a shift and, and, and God has big, mighty plans for the church. This is the church's finest hour. But I said it's the church's finest hour. It might not be yours. So find a place. Find a place where you fit in Jesus' name. So anyway, in Romans 8, verse 30, he said, whomever, who he predestinated, he called, and whom he called, look at this, the ones he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified, right? What shall we say then to these things? This is what you say to things. He's telling you what you say to the things in your life. Problems in your life, mountains in your life, things that have been harassing you for a long, long time. What am I to say to these things? Things, if God be for me, who can be against me? Things, I take authority over you. How long are you going to do it? Until I win. It's fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life. It's not saying something once and watching everything change. I mean, sometimes it does, but I mean, you, you, you know, he said, with faith and patience, you attain the promises of God. Faith and keeping at it, just keeping at it, just keep going and keeping the attitude right, rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So, so he says here, he, 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 if he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us what? All things, what all things? Well, Peter said it's all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need to fulfill the call of God that's upon your life. And I guarantee you that no one in here has the prosperity that God would have you to in your life right now. You, you haven't gotten there. You can, you, you, your imagination... He said it was exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. You cannot, you know, in order to get an idea of what God wants for you, read about heaven and then read the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? Read about heaven and then read about earth and you realize that there's a deficit. Because we just believe blessed are the poor, Lord. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poverty sucks. If you've never been poor, you wouldn't know that. I was poor and I know that. So, so okay, so am I ever going to get through this? Yes. He'll freely give us all things. Who shall lay a... Who, who can 
Who can judge me? Ask a pastor that. <laughs> Over 29 years? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> but I've learned not to accept it. Who shall lay anything? It's who shall lay anything to God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is given at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So we see, then, then you remind yourself of Revelation 12, 11, 10 and 11, or 11 and 12. It says, the accuser of the brethren comes against the church day and night, right? So you do have an accuser, but it's not a person, it's a principality. Now we'll go to Zechariah, because it'll explain what's happening here in chapter 3 and verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And where was the devil? Standing right there to resist him. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil, James 4, 7, and he will flee from you. He, but how many of you know he will resist you? Have you ever felt the resistance? That's why Paul said, I press on. I'm, 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 I might be dealing with some pressure, but I'm, he said, I might be cast down, but I'm not destroyed. He, he said, I, I just keep getting back up. He said, I'm like Micah. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, though I fall, I shall arise. I'm getting back up, getting back up. So he's, so he's getting some resistance here. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem re rebuke you. And then he, then he says this about you, that you were a brand plucked out of the fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. He plucked you out of the fire. You know, hell's forever. Hell is kind of like, in, in my mind anyway, it's like, you know, when I was a drug addict, and I say was, uh, I'm not anymore. People would like to stick that on you forever. But when I was a drug addict, I, I, you know, I, I had friends that were much worse than I was, thank God. <laughs> you don't compare yourself among yourself. But I had friends that when I got up from a party in the morning, if it was at my house, all my pockets would be turned inside out. A drug addict friend that didn't have any money and needed some more drugs is now frisking your pockets to see if they can find something. And we were buddies. But we understood. Like, you understood. Like, you, you, got, to, you got to have this. And it wasn't until after I got saved that I realized, you know what? The addiction was not the problem. The addiction was the fruit of the problem. The problem was the rejection that I experienced as a kid. And, and, and so drugs were simply my medication. Some people, it's food. You run to the fridge every, all the time and stuff. And, and that addiction is the same as alcohol, drugs, any other kind of thing. You, you know, you just, it becomes real to people. But it's the fruit of the problem. The root is my identity. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? People need to answer those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And where am I going? What's my destiny? What's my destination? And it's surprising how many people don't know. 
I mean, you got people 45, 50 years old now don't know if they're a man or a woman. They really don't know. There's that much confusion because you can only your your real identity. And the only way any human being on earth is going to find their true identity is in the word of God. When you begin to identify with him, why do you think he was water baptized? So that you could totally identify with him, so to give him permission to totally identify with you. He didn't need to be water baptized. He hadn't done anything wrong. So why did he do it? So that you could identify with him. So that he could identify with you. So that you could say, yeah, 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 I was a sinner. But I tell you right now, it went bubble, bubble, bubble down in the water. I, you know, a type in the shadow of death, burial, and resurrection. Lord Jesus, I was crucified with Christ. Does my flesh get up in the coffin sometimes? Yeah. Right? I just put a stake in his heart and put him back down. Down there. Or Nancy does. So somebody will do it for me. Verse 2, the Lord said, Satan, rebuke you. Is not this not the brand picked from the fire? And then in verse 3, it says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he stood beside the angel. Now, I'm not going to get into this whole story. I taught this several times verse by verse for years ago, I think. But how you get dung-filled garments and poop on your clothes is you're going in and out through the dung gate, which is where they took the, the poop from the sacrifice and took it down into the Hinnom Valley, a type of hell, right? And so this high priest was not operating the way that he was supposed to. He should have been nowhere near that. But he got the poop on his clothes, if you will. And it but again, it represents, it represents sin, but not sin unto death, because in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 3, you'll find out that, you know, God talks about those people, and he said, you're dung-faced. And, you know, you think about, you know, you might have heard the saying, I got something-faced drunk. That's where the saying came from. It means that you're totally out of control, and, uh, and, and the Lord said it, it's, it's on your face. But having it on your garments is sort of like, it's sort of like John chapter 13 when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. You're, you're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you, but your feet still come in contact with the earth and you still make mistakes. And so, so that's why Peter said, you can't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have nothing to do with me. Then Peter said, wash me, wash me all over then. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. It's, you're clean now, but your feet get dirty. And so I've given you 1 John 1, 9 and verses that you can clean yourself up without beating yourself up. I said clean yourself up without beating yourself up because there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's conviction. The Holy Ghost is called the comforter. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren, which is what he was doing right here. Verse 4, and he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him. There was an angelic host there. Take away, <laughs> like, take away his filthy garments from him. And unto him, he said, behold, I have caused, I'd like to say this to you all today. Behold, God has caused your iniquity to pass from you. <laughs> Yeehaw, you be. <laughs> you don't know what I did? No, I don't. He doesn't either. If you ask him to forgive you, he forgot about it the whole time you did. Okay. 
No, but you have new garments. He said, I'll clothe you with salvation and cover you with a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10. He said, I'll cover you, clothe you in salvation and cover you with a robe of righteousness. The prodigal son came home and what did he do first? Put a new garment on him, man. Hallelujah. Clean him up. He's all right. He's family. He's family. He said, I've caused your iniquity to pass from you and I will clothe you with a change of raiment. And dress you up. In the spirit realm, you're all dressed up right now. In the spirit realm, the devil can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. It's only when you get down in your flesh that you get in trouble. So he said, put a turban on his head. Might say a fair mitre in the King James, but it's simply a turban. He said, he clothed him with garments, and the angels of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested and said... Thus saith the Lord of hosts, this is the Lord of armies. This is the Lord that's operating in the earth right now, the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. He's risen up and some things are shaking and going on right now. You, you, you know that, right? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways. But again, this goes back to what we read in Joshua chapter 3 last week. You know, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow I'll do miracles among you. He's saying, he's saying I, I'm, I'm going to deal with your walk right now. He said, if you'll walk in my ways, he's already cleaned up. Now what's he got to do? If you'll walk in my ways, and if you'll keep my charge, then you shall also judge this house, priests and kings under our God, judge this house. Like, you're the, like you, you have the voice of authority in your life. The only one that can stop your miracle is you. The only one that can stop your miracle is you. God won't stop it. He said, you won't be tempted with anything beyond what you're able to handle. He said that. So if you're not handling it, it's not him. It's you. He's not holding back your miracle. Matter of fact, in Corinthians 12, he says, the working of miracles. He said, I can show you how they work. Well, he's showing you right here and right now. He said, I will give you places to walk among those that stand by. Angelic hosts standing by. The first time I preached this message, we had just gotten back from Philippines and stopped in Hawaii. And one of the restaurants away from the beach had a sign in the window, no shoot, no shoot. No shoes, no shirt, no shoes, no service. No shirt, no shoes, no service. In other words, you can't just roll in there in your bathing suit. Well, what he's saying here is the same thing. If you want to walk in the, if you want to walk this, if you want to walk these places in the spirit, it's going to require some proper dress. What do you mean? It means get rid of your old clothes, get rid of your old mindsets, get rid of your old way of thinking. He said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And if that verse isn't new to you, if you've heard it before, then it's not new. You need to hear it new. He said, you got to get the, get rid of that old thinking. He said, I want to take you to new places in prayer, new places in power, new places in prosperity, new places in healing, new places in miracles, new places in Holy Ghost manifestations. How do I get there? Well, just drop a ribbon here. We'll come back. But let's go to Colossians chapter 3. I'll read it other than the King James. There's certainly some better translations than this, but I've 
been praying these things over myself for a while. And so it's just, I find the King James easier to remember. That's all. Uh, chapter, so if you're going to read it in the Passion, you can go ahead and if you want to read it in the Amplified, it has more words because it's a woman's Bible. You can read along with that too. If you then be risen with Christ, now he's going to tell me what to do, what to do, what am I supposed to do then? Because I am, my garments have been cleaned, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go now. He said, if you have been risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. In other words, I'm not caught up in the natural realm. I'm not spending all of my time dealing with natural things. I'm making the spirit realm my number one priority, especially in this day. I'm realizing that my prayers have power and that the world needs the power of prayer to change things. I realize that he's not willing that any should perish, and yet people are dying all around me. And so I need to assume my responsibility here. So he said, seek those things that are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your intelligence on the things that are above and not the things of the earth. Why? Because I'm dead. I'm dead to my own ego, my own self, and I'm alive unto God. So he said, uh, seek those things that are, that are above, and you're dead and your life is healed with Christ in God. And when Christ who will appear, he's going to appear, the glory of God's going to appear with you. <laughs> Come on, the glory of God appears in its death to the old man. How about that? He said, when the glory of God appears, you'll also appear with him in the glory. Mortify your members. That means put to death your members that are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. How do I put them to death? I just said, I say this. I pray this. I say, I declare this. I call the things that be, if I'm struggling in, in an area, I, I call those things that be not as though they were. If you're dealing with anger, start speaking to anger and say, anger, you have no place, no part in me. My fruit, the fruit of my spirit is love and joy and peace and so on. So he said, mortify those things that are in your, in your flesh. He said, he said, it's idolatry. For, for the which things sake the wrath of God is coming upon the children of obedience, in which you also walked at some time when you lived in, in the, but now he's going to tell you what else to put off. And again, how do you put it off? You put on clothes. You put on clothes with the words of your mouth being clothed with power from on high. I speak it out. I take off things the same way. Why? Because I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the word. I trust in the word with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding. I acknowledge the word in all of my ways, and the word directs my steps. I direct my steps by the word of God, by speaking the word of God over me, because the word, he said, you're clean through the word I've spoken unto you. So the change comes by rehearsing God's word, by rehearsing my new identity. I'm identifying myself. I've been crucified with Christ. And so now I'm identifying myself with the risen Jesus. He's the firstborn among many brethren. That ought to make your head wag. He called you brethren. The firstborn among many, he, he didn't even take, anyway, think about it, think about it while you're meditating God's word. But he said, but now put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Stop lying to one another. And again, I'd like to remind you that this is written to the church. It wasn't written to sinners. It was written to the church. Stop lying. Turn to something. No, don't turn to <laughs> 
seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man. Well, remember Luke 24, 49, you know, Terry in Jerusalem until you're endued with powerful on high. That word enduo means to put to be clothed upon. So you're putting on Christ. Sometimes it's kind of like the joy of the Lord. Sometimes you have to put it on. You don't feel it, but you act it out anyway. You're putting it on until it happens. Lots of times people sitting around waiting for God to move them. No, and he said, stir yourself up. If you're waiting for him to jump in you and start praising the Lord and running around the church, you'd be waiting along. You'd be like waiting for a bus. No, no, he, you know, you need to activate the promises. You know, it's God's promises are voice activated. And it also requires action. I was in Costco the other day and I couldn't get the tap to work. No, but years ago, you couldn't figure it out at all. There's no taps. You got to wait for somebody to come in to see how to use it. I know I've got to figure it out now. But this one wouldn't work. It wouldn't matter what I did. And I had the soap on me and I'm waving this thing off. <laughs> and you can't use the one next to you because it's COVID. So then you've got to wait for a buddy down there. You're just running, the soap's running through your fingers. You've got to wait for... <laughs> I said, God, my faith isn't working here. <laughs> Put on... I like this. Put on the new man, renewed in, put on the new man, the renewed man, the renewed mind. Put on the renewed man, renewed in the knowledge of the image of him that created me, where, where there's no racism. There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, non-circumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but what? Christ is all in it all. You mean we're all the same? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're all the same. Do we also have the same struggles? Yeah, my Bible says we do that too. We put on the new man. Hallelujah. Put on, therefore, listen to verse 12. Put on as the elect of God. Holy, beloved. Put on as the elect of God. What's he calling you? What's he calling you? Holy and beloved. He's calling you holy and beloved. What are you supposed to think about yourself? Oh, yeah, but you never know what I... I'm telling you, you're holy and beloved. It's who you are. Put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing and forgiving one another and all that, all that stuff we like to do. Verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let... No matter what's going on in the political realm or in the, in the natural realm, let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. I don't have to understand it all. If I'm trusting God, I don't have to understand anything. I don't have to know what's going on. I believe the prophets of God. My Bible says that if you believe God's prophet, you'll prosper. Now, I've got lots of prophecies about what's going on right now, and I believe it. What if you don't see it? I don't have to see it if I believe it. Requires no faith if you can already see it. It's amazing how people can jump out of faith when they just don't see anything. It was never faith to begin with. No, it was never faith. If you needed to see it and it didn't appear the way that you thought it was going to, you never had any faith in it anyway. You had some good hope, but hope doesn't get the job done. Okay, let's go all the way past Zechariah. And we're going to close over in Judges chapter 6. 
familiar story over in Judges. But again, there was a guy named Gideon, and he had a, how many of you know he had an identity crisis? God identified him. Now, you know, again, get the picture. He's living in a hole in the ground. When you're living in a hole in the ground, I don't know, you may be behind your rent today. I don't know, don't know what your situation is. But Gideon's in a hole in the ground. And he's hiding because every time he gets something, the bill collectors come. Every time he seems to get ahead, the fridge stops fridging. <laughs> Stuff keeps happening. And then he's saying, woe is me. He said, I'm, I'm the smallest, most insignificant person from the smallest, most insignificant tribe in all of Israel. I got nothing good going. I'm living in fear all my life. I don't just have a mask on. I got the whole outfit. And I'm hiding from the Midianites and trying to sift wheat to, so I can make myself a little sandwich. But I'm having to do it in a hole in the ground because if the enemy sees my lunch, they'll come and take it. So this is, this is who this guy is. But, but then in verse 15, no, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord. Now, this is how God would talk to you. The Lord would be, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, mighty man, mighty woman of valor. The Lord is with you today on November the 8th. 2020. The Lord is with you, oh mighty man, mighty woman of valor. The Lord is with you. Hallelujah. And Gideon said, I'm the youngest member of the poorest house in all of Israel. I'm the smallest guy. I got I'm, my inferiority blocks anything that you could ever tell me. I, I can't hear and receive the word of God because I feel so inferior that when it's spoken to me, I reject it. Mighty man is the word Gabor. It means champion. It means a strong lion. It means valor. It means a force. It means wealth and resources. He said, I live in a hole in the ground and I come from the worst tribe. And my, I'm the worst child in my whole family. He had bad cred. But when he agreed with God. Verse 14, and the Lord looked upon him and said, no, no, verse, let's read verse 13. The Lord be with you, almighty man of valor. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if you're with us, why is all this crap happening? Why is all this befallen us? Where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? The miracles are in your mouth, people. The gifts and the spirit are in your body, in your, in your spirit. God is waiting. You're waiting on God to move? Let me tell you something. We're praying for revival. Revival hit 2,000 years ago and the day of Pentecost was fully come. And we're wanting somebody to come and bring revival. No, you bring it. Bring revival today, but make it in you. Stop excusing yourself and waiting for somebody else to come and bring revival to your life. Stir yourself up. Do something different today. Stop complaining about where you are and change where you are by changing the words in your mouth. Oh, Gary, you're touching, you're touching some serious stuff here now. No, but if you'll agree with God, you can win. If you keep looking at your circumstances, you'll keep losing. You keep saying, woe is me, and that's the way it'll be. So, so he says in verse 13, Gideon's complaining. He's saying, why are there no miracles? 
Our I read it in the Bible. He said, our fathers told us about it. We know that you're a mighty God. Where, where, where's all this stuff that you promised? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now look, why have you forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? Why have you delivered us into the hands of the... <laughs> we'll leave that blank and you can fill it in yourself. And the Lord looked upon him and said, you fix it. What are you going to do about it? When are they ever going to fix it? No, when are you? Who are they anyway? We'll keep waiting for them to fix things. How's it worked for us so far? So if things have to tell God, please change things, and God is saying, shut it off, get up, and go pray. And you can change things. Tithes and offerings come by, and you can't tithe, but you're going to a restaurant after the service, and you're going to spend 40 or 50 bucks or whatever, and you're going to tip God, and you want, to, and we're talking about honor. Now, now, please understand, I better be very careful what I'm doing right here, because this church is the givenest church I've ever seen. So when I say things, I'm speaking. Like I don't, I don't see full seats and empty seats. If there's four people or 40 or 400, it doesn't change the message. And the message gets spoken into the atmosphere. And I know how powerful it is because I watched when we were at 110 Thorn Avenue all those years, I watched Dartmouth Crossing come to being. I watched that whole, that whole atmosphere over there change. I watched praise and worship. My Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people and that prayer, praise and worship is warfare. And I watched as the whole situation changed over there. When we bought that building, they tried to kick us out. They did not want us in that Burnside Park for nothing. Matter of fact, one of the guys that tried to kick us out, he finally lost his job. Just trying so hard to get rid of us. But we had our struggles over the years over there. But they didn't understand. They, they, they wanted us out because they don't get property tax. No, but they get something a whole lot more than property tax when the church is there. And when the church is there, you get the presence of God there. And whether you know it or not, you carry the Eden blessing once you're born again. You know, he said, I'm restoring many sons back to glory. And that, 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 that blessing that he wanted to transfer into all the earth and then to the other planets, it's in you now. And when you speak words of life over everything, things begin to change. They may even get worse when you begin to talk like that because the devil doesn't want you to know who you are. But you get your identification where? Right here. Go in this thy might, he said. And so then we know the rest of that story, how, how um, you know, Gideon... Got the anointing, went out and gathered up 32,000 men. He was real happy with that. And then God said, send everybody home that's afraid. And he lost how many? 20,000? So 20 out of 32,000 were so afraid they had to go home. So don't be concerned about what you see out in society right now. There's so much fear out there that's amazing to me. Yeah. And then the ones that were not alert. The ones that got down on their hands and knees to get a drink of water, he sent those home too. He said, I need somebody that's prepared for battle. Put on the whole armor of God that you'd be able to stand in an evil day and after having done all, stand, stand therefore. 
with your breastplate of righteousness, loin belt of truth, helmet of salvation, feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Your weapon of your warfare is your word. The word of God and the shield of faith, whereby we quench every, every fiery dirt that the wicked ones. But the sword of the spirit is your, is your weapon. It's God's word in your mouth. Jeremiah 1.12, he said, I watch over my word to perform it. Isaiah 55.11, he said, my word will not return unto me void, but it'll prosper. It will accomplish what I set it into the earth to do. So when you're speaking out God's word and releasing your faith, things are changing. Things are shifting. You might not see it right away, but things begin to shift. And as long as you keep your word straight, as long as you don't vacillate between two opinions, how long will you halt between two opinions? He said, if God be God, let him be God. And if Baal, let Baal be God. But don't vacillate between the two. Why? Because James 1.5 says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't say I'm believing God one minute and then, and then confess the doubt that you just got from the media the next minute. You have to keep your faith strong. Keep believing. I believe God. I trust God. He's trustworthy. He's not a man that he should lie. 2319 of Numbers says, he's not a man that he should lie. He's the son of a man that he should repent. Has he not sworn and will it not come to pass? He said, I have spoken a blessing on you and no one can reverse it, only you. He says, you're blessed. Don't say you're cursed. He says, you're blessed. Choose this day, life and blessing. Death, don't choose death and cursing, choose life. What's the life? It's in your words. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues or the boundaries of your life. Only by your words, he told Matthew, Matthew, in Matthew 12, 37, only by your words will you be justified, and only by your words will you be condemned. If things suck in your life, check what you've been saying. He said your words will condemn you, not him. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.